like, we need to get him elected. So how do we organize in our community? I started setting up block walks, um, started getting more people to come and turn out, teach other people how to block walk. And so by the time October came for early voting, like I was all in and I had every shirt and all the shoes and I was like a super supporter. So they came to DeSoto two more times and then, but it was a good, it was one of those things where I was just volunteering and um, he ended up getting to be a national spotlight, like probably in September, October, I think, where people were like, oh, is that that guy you've been posting about this whole time? And I'm like, yeah. All right, y'all. So folks who follow me on social media know that um, I do my best to try to stay out of politics, but it's in my blood. I can't I can't help it. You know, as, as a business guy, I know it very likely uh, cost me some clients and some money, but I honestly really don't care. And so I have a a somewhat kindred spirit who I see on social media that goes a thousand times harder than me. Um, and her name is Candace, <laughs> Candace Quarles. And, I, and so I have her. Uh, Candace, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate you coming out to talk to folks about uh, the, the importance of politics and being involved in your community. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. And, and, you, know, and you know what? I totally, you know what? I totally just disrespected uh, your title. I mean, <laughs> the, the honorable, the honorable <laughs> city councilwoman for DeSoto. That that is my apology. No, it's completely fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so where I wanted to get started is, you know, kind of in the beginning. What what made you get so passionate and so involved in politics? And I'm, I'm gonna tee it off by I'm I'm pretty sure it was before you went real visual. But you I mean you landed you know one of the first interviews with with Beto you know on social media you. Um, had um, Mark VC on your podcast. You had the political act or YouTube channel. You had the political active uh, Freddie Haynes. You know the, <laughs> yeah. the Malcolm X slash MLK of DFW. Um, so when did you start first getting involved in politics? Yeah, so I, uh, my first, um, so I ran for city council in May of 2016, but when I first got involved, probably, um, so I'm from St. Louis originally, I moved to Texas in 2007, and then there was this weird guy with a funny name running for president, and I was like, I gotta be down. So I was a part of this group called the Urban League, and we did voter registration in Southern Dallas County, and um, I was a part of the group probably really never my parents weren't really big voters not really engaged in local politics certainly not running for office or anything so we uh, registered people to vote uh, for that 2007-2008 election and then after that just kind of caught the bug of being involved in urban league so I was the chair and then got involved with um, I was the vice president became the president of the org and then um, also I'm a Delta, so I was social action on the committee, then I was social action chair, and 
uh, always kind of just been in that lane in organizations around social action and politics and, and civic engagement. Um, and that's kind of how I got started. And then um, so that puts me at 2014. And then I had, uh, we had our child. And then um, 18 months after that, um, one of my council, my council person ran for mayor. So it left a, an, an open seat. And so I had a couple of weeks to decide if I was going to jump in and I could either jump in then or six years from then when the other guy turned out. So I decided to run and um, I was elected in May of 2016. And, and you had, you had an opponent, right? I did have an opponent. Um, and it was, um, I went to a bunch of training. So before then I went through like, Texas Democratic Party has some trainings, uh, Annie's List, uh, White House Friday. So I've been to tons of trainings, but I always thought somebody else will run for office, not me. I'm a campaign manager type mm-hmm. person. So mm-hmm. I won't ever be that person to put their name on the ballot. And then, uh, yeah, I ran and, and won with 66% of the votes, the first time candidate. Yeah. And you and you were uh, you were leveraging um, social media, you know, relatively early, you know, before it became cool by you know, Trump and I remember when I was getting ready to, um, you know, I was volunteered to go um, stand out there when you were. Um, at, yeah, when yeah, it was. Um, I and it, I did use it a lot. I did a, um, I did like targeted Facebook ads. So I say in a DeSoto race, we probably didn't use it a lot. Then I also did Google ads, which was really funny because when you um, you're looking at things on YouTube mm-hmm. um, before before the actual video plays there's a five second ad that tells you whatever they're doing and you can do it by location and the photo has one zip code so i did very targeted videos for five seconds uh, right before another video played and i remember knocking on someone's door and the kid was like i just saw you on my youtube channel how did you do that <laughs> but it was like uh you know nobody wouldn't say nobody some we were rarely using that so felt like um it would give you some time. Would that kid vote or he, would he tell his mom to go and vote for me? I don't know. But the amount of money it costs to advertise on Google and Facebook is so small that it's worth even just uh, trying to get your message out there. Right. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm personally shocked at how many folk, politicians still don't embrace it. I've been involved in a couple of, couple of campaigns and it's like, you know, it's like the, super duper stepchild of everybody's campaign they don't even think about it i'm just like y'all are y'all are missing it that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation so so get into politics why why you know why was getting involved like so important to you it was um it's important because i just didn't see me represented on the city council so i didn't see uh young families uh represented so my husband and I had an 18 month old at a time. And um, to this date, I still I have a four year old and we still, I'm the only person on the council with a kid under uh, 20 years old, I think. So I'm still the, uh, one of the younger council members. And then I didn't see the, the, the people who are going to make decisions about my kids um, city on that council. Who's going to decide if we put concrete over this green space um, we have a nature preserve right by my house. Who's going to make those decisions about the future of our community? Um, the people, those people weren't on the council. Those are people whose kids were out of the district or out of, you know, that, that stage in their life. So um, 
it's important that we do the things that we say we want to have and just not complain about it. And then I also wonder the young people even step up to run. So are we saying that we wouldn't get elected or do we even try? And what I found out is most of the time we weren't trying. We were running. A lot of the people were getting elected unopposed. Um, they were running against, you know, people maybe in the community that have been there for years and same people of the same community from the same HOA, from the same, you know, group or organization. So how are we, how can we truly say we're trying to make sure that everyone's represented if we don't step up? So that's why I decided to run. What what are the voting numbers for, like, how many people vote in DeSoto? Because it's about, what, 35,000 people, 40,000 people? So 53,000 residents, about 30, 35,000 voters, um, about 2,500 turnout in the city council race. Mm. Less than 3,000. Yeah. Um, and that's actually high for local races. We're talking like 2 and 3%. And we're elected citywide by everyone, so not just the district that I live in. Um, but we have to live in a certain district. So, yeah, that it's about less than 3,000 people decide our city's budget. And, and have you dug into why people, like, their reasons for not voting and they just they just don't think the time is worth it? Or have you got any real Yeah, reasons? I've been a, been a couple of organizations that study voter turnout. Um, Texas is, is one. It's really hard to um, – we have lots of elections throughout the year. So the year 2018, I think we had six elections. And that's if we had no extra elections, which we did in DeSoto. So one is confusing. The timeline is not on schedule with anything that's significant. So like in November, we really should have been training for the May election. Um, but it, it's just a lot. And then and you don't know. So like unlike TV with presidential elections we don't have tv advertising you're not going to hear on radio so people don't spend money like that for local in DeSoto so how would you know there's an election going on unless you're purposely visiting the city's website to know that there's an election going on and that's a small group of people that are looking for that so we don't do a good job and we as elected officials we should be doing a better job to, to engage more people that hey they might not have ever voted much less vote for us but we still you know they pay taxes so they still deserve representation. So what are we doing to make sure more people know about the May elections and they want to participate and when we have a seat open that, you know, people are running and there's not always just an unopposed candidate or um, the same people always running for office. Are, are you are you finding with your YouTube channel and putting out content that more people are becoming more involved in or, or, or what do you are more interesting? Well, I wouldn't say that I'm putting, making a dent by any means. I would say um, it's just another form of content that, you know, is reaching a different group. So my demographics, and I look at it often, 35 to 45-year-old women um, is the, the ones who view my videos um, on Facebook and then a much younger on YouTube. So have I, take, have I seen the names to get the list to turn it in to see if they're actually going to the voting rolls? Um, no. Um, but I, what I see is when I'm out, people will tell me I saw your channel or, oh, you're Candid with Candace, or, you know, they reference something on that. Or I read a video or listened to a video about early voting and what that is. Um, so I, I get feedback that people are watching. Uh, you know, you, you don't know. You just do these things and you hope that people turn out and be um, engaged in it. And you tweak the content and try to make it better and hope that more people will um, engage. Got it, got it, and it, and so what? What you just what you just told me was something that I I kind of 
I kind of thought was the case. And, and, and before we talked about like, you know, Pat, you know, PAX and, and, and I, I, I personally have a personal interest in a pack and not necessarily using a pack for, you know, um, specifically to back uh, candidates that I like, although, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, when I learn the rules, I'll figure out how you do that. But but mine is just more, my passion is just more getting more people involved in, in voting. Because I, I don't think it will cost much money to just saturate the social media market in the southern counties, southern Dallas counties, um, uh, and, you know, and where I live with social media content. It would not cost much at all, right? And it wouldn't be hard mm-hmm. for me to here, raise some money, put a big chunk of my money in there as well. And then just make sure people know when the vote, you know, when voting happens. Like that wouldn't, that would cost zero money at all. I'm shocked that nobody's doing it. So I figured. <laughs> and it's, it's a thing where, you know, the candidate is, is, you try to keep engaging us throughout the year. And that's what we see. You got to make a voter instead of making a candidate supporter. So that means candidates, the individual elected officials can be invested in only candidates' races. Candidates has to be the elected official engaged in a race that she'll never have her name on just so you can continue to make voters. And then they're used to um, a schedule of voting or it's May, something's coming up. I should know something should be going on in my city. And then we have a lot of elected officials that are engaged in their races. And that that's not going to create sustained long-term civically engaged people. Um, and that's kind of the pivot that we need to do if we want to get more than 10% is low deciding, you know, the tax rate and the city's budget. But that's, that'd be great if 10% showed up it's closer to five. Well, and, um, and, it's, and it's a lot of people who count on that. It's a lot of, it's a lot of folks that, um, you know, hold on to their power because they they know that um, most people won't vote, right? Um, and, and I, you know, and that's that's unfortunate. And I give you like an example. So I went to a. Um, I'm, try, I'm trying not to give away too much, but I I got invited in one of the major cities to one of these major southern county cities to a um, uh, like an exclusive Saturday morning candidate form, you know, that happened when, I mean, no, normally this is public and it's known and it's out there and it's closer to the election, but this is early because I, I understand the game. They want to figure out who the little unofficial, who their unofficial pack's going to get behind for the city. Uh-huh. And once they all get behind a candidate, they pretty much in the past have picked who are going to win because those are the people that are, are mostly involved and have most of the influence. And I'm just like, man, this election shouldn't be won like this in these cities of 40, 50,000 people. Like we need more people to get engaged in voting. So anyway, we're saying the same thing. Um, and so I don't, uh, I'm going to get a little bit more um, uh, relevant, but before I go to your, 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 your main passion point, talk, talk about the bait though. How'd you, um, how'd you get bait on your show? How'd you reach out to him? How'd that whole process go? Yeah. So um, uh, the, the, the congressman was running for Senate against Ted Cruz. So better work. And this is back in, I don't know, maybe this time last year. Um, so I remember I, I remember my Facebook memories that came up in November of last year. I was asking about, hey, who's this guy that's running? Anybody know the campaign? My friend's trying to get connected. So that was the first anything I sent. And then March of this time, February of this time last year, I made a post about this town hall we're going to have. And I said, um, hey, after the move, after the primaries were in February, uh, we need to start paying attention to this guy. This is going to be a big race. And, and I didn't say it's going to be a big race. I said, he seems like a cool candidate. 
And the way that I got hooked up is, one, they were trying to get, you know, like any campaign, especially statewide, as big as Texas, is running in like a small country. It's a nationwide campaign for a small country. How do you get more people to know about it? You go to communities where people are already elected and ask them to get involved and pay attention to their races. So they were in Dallas, and I said, you need to come to DeSoto. And then told the campaign, and then they were like, yeah, we're in Dallas on these dates. And I was like, yeah, that's not DeSoto. DeSoto's voter turnout in Dallas County is the highest out of any city in Dallas County. And then our voters are super engaged, like I just said, for our local elections. You need to come to DeSoto, comma, Texas, 7515. And we had, and they said, okay. And then they came to a town hall, and um, um, I was already doing the videos with Mark Vesey, and I was like, well, can I record it? And, you know, he already was going Facebook Live for all of his things anyway. So they were like, yeah. So we, we put up a dash cam and then went and picked me up at a church, and we drove to Top 5 Barbecue, and then we had that town hall. And then um, I got to uh, introduce him to my community, the people who elected me. And then, yeah, from that, it was like, we need to get him elected. So how do we organize in our community? I started setting up block walks, um, started getting more people to come and turn out, teach other people how to block walk. And so by the time October came for early voting, like I was all in and I had every shirt and all the shoes and I was like a super supporter. So they came to the photo two more times and then, but it was a good it was one of those things where I was just volunteering and um, he ended up getting to be a national spotlight, like probably in September, October, I think, where people were like, Oh, is that that guy you've been posting about this whole time? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I've been saying. Like, let's go. So uh, unsuccessful in his race, but definitely it was such a, a needed uh, jolt of energy of just getting people engaged. And then during a midterm election, like, no one really turned out. Like, we turned out like it was a presidential year. So that just shows the power of what Texans can do mm-hmm. um, when they have, um, one, an incredible candidate, and then he was willing to do the work. And it wasn't like, except me, because I'm a Democrat, it was, I'm going to come to every county, even if you guys are 98% Republican, I'm still, still going to visit every county. So he was, he was a reason to be excited and um, got a lot of other people elected because of that. So cool. I got to be a part. Yeah. And, and, and from what I, from what I heard, I don't know how accurate this is, but I, I was hearing that um, cause he didn't, he didn't lose by like a big margin. What was the margin? Uh, uh, less than 3%. Yeah. Less yeah. than 3%. And the last guy lost by like, well, less woman lost like over 25%. So it was really close. And, and I, we've been in 30 years. And I heard that a lot of the votes got thrown out, be the ones that were like, you know, the scantrons, because they didn't um, they didn't fill it in right. So, you know, one person was like, if people just learn how to fill out the the the, the voting card right, he might have won. I was like, man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, uh, I mean, it was questions and it was lines, and, you know, things that hey, during if we could do it over again, uh, we could register more people, we can make sure the voters are more educated, the poll workers. Yeah, it was it was definitely a lot going on. Now, now what do you think about like, so in the age, I, I you know, I got my wife, um, her Valentine's Day present was that the new iPhone or whatever. Because um, it, you know, mm-hmm. it's been, it been since our, our last son was born since, since I got her a new phone. So I got her that and it has a thing where you, you know, she looks at it and it turns the screen on. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. 
I'm like, man, if we got this kind of technology, why can't we do voting electronically in our own home with it being verified? I, I bet it's more safe than these booths. Are we close to that? I mean, I know the reason why people don't want that, but they're not, they can't fight it forever. So how close are we to having like <laughs> voting in the 21st century? Yeah, so um, the technology is there, and uh, you can look at the state, even uh, the fact that we have to register in person to uh, get to vote is still a barrier, and all that stuff is intentional. It keeps out uh, people of color, um, poor people, people who have to work, all that's intentional. So, yes, we could have um, very sophisticated voting, um, but that means more people are voting, more less less control over the people who normally have power. So uh, what you have to do is change the, the people in office that are would support things like that, which means you have to vote. <laughs> and then they can support putting more money between technology and making sure, you know, things like Russia and other electronic ways that we're talking about. Just a simple, the fact that if I want to go and register someone in Tarrant County and I live in Dallas County, I have to get deputized in Tarrant County in their voter registration office and sign a paper, and then I can register Tarrant County voters, even though, you know, I might live and work at Tarrant County, but I live in Dallas County. Simple things like that. But if I can't even register people all across the state of Texas, I have to go to 254 county offices. That's a barrier um, mm -hmm. to getting more people registered. And where some states have automatic voter registration, where you can go and you're automatically registered the day that you go and vote. Or there are some states that you can do it online and you don't ever have to go in person. So the fact that we do those things is intentional. It could be better. You just got to get more people um, elected and then they would champion uh, issues like expanding. How do we get more people engaged in our process? And, and what, what branch of the government does that? Is it not just in one? Like who, who do we need to get elected and hold accountable to making that happen? So the thing about elections is it is very much local. <laughs> so uh, local, your county office, like, for example, I think in Harris County during November's election, they have early voting because the state of Texas has early voting. Um, but in Harris County for in Dallas County for uh, the 10 days of early voting, we were open from eight to five. OK, in Harris County, they were only open eight to five the first five days of early voting. So little things like that, but that's determined by the county office, the hours of voting. It's not a state thing. So mm. how do you get more people? What if we don't do eight to five? What if we did 12 to nine instead so people after work could come? Uh, what if we did it from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m.? All those things are determined at the county level about how you uh, uh, have access because the county pays for it. It's not a federal, um, they have a federal elections commission and those are things for like federal elections. Um, but as far as the way that you go and vote, it's, it's people in your backyard. It's people in yeah. Austin. It's, it's, it, it's your local people. And it's specifically the county commissioners or, or who are the people that, that set the, the you know, set the... Um, so for Dallas County, and every county is different, Dallas County, is the, uh, the county commissioners have a county elections department. Okay. And then they determine like hours, locations, if we want to have them all on college campuses or if we say we're only going to have them in rural areas. Well, that makes a big difference in who turns out to vote. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so per parental, pay parental leave is your big platform. I see you talking about it 
like every day on Facebook. Talk, talk more about that. Why, why is that important? What does it mean? Yeah, so uh, what I'm doing is pushing for a city of DeSoto employees to have paid paternity leave and maternity leave for the employees. Um, we have about 5 to 11 employees that have a baby each year. Right now, currently, the current uh, policy is that you save up your sick and vacation time to um, take time off after the birth of a child. Um, so that disproportionately is having women use a lot of sick and vacation time to take time off with the birth of their child. And one, mom needs a little bit more time. Um, along with just bonding with the baby, she had a baby. So <laughs> the stress and trauma of a baby and that that does to her, she shouldn't be back at work um, immediately. So what we found is that um, nationwide women, especially hourly employees, are going back to work um, sometimes 10 days after having a baby. Because if they can't afford to stay home, um, they're going back to work early. So what we're pushing for is a separate time policy, specifically for a birth adoption or foster of a new child. And um, that equates to about mm, average employee salary, about less than $5,500 a year if we were to place their salary. Well, they get paid. Right now we stop their pay and they have to use sick and vacation time. What I'm advocating for is to continue their pay. Um, and then if they want to take off longer than six weeks, because um, they have to use their sick and vacation time. So uh, one of those work-friendly, gender equity, new <laughs> world problems that, hey, most of our parents are working, both of them are working full-time. Um, maybe that wasn't the case uh, when a lot of our parents are working or grandparents, but now mom and dad are working, and um, she, needs, she needs some time off. And I, I also advocate for dads to have time off as well um, for three weeks to bond with the baby, get a new schedule with a newborn, and then that helps mom while she's at home. So we're doing, uh, pushing for that, and that will be on the agenda April 2nd. And um, want to get more, we, we got to advocate for policies that are helping working class people. And a lot of times on city councils, we are relegated to issues that, um, you know, I we have no problem for developers and them coming before us in the council and asking for incentives to bring their business to the city. And right. I get it because it's going to, they're eventually going to come back and pay for it. But what about investing in people and for something as small as six weeks of pay over the course of, you know, you might do the city for like 10 years. So could we not invest in that? So that's what I, I'm pushing for. Right. With, with the goal being retaining and attracting the best and brightest Yes, definitely um, um, making sure that um, you're wanted here. It's a good, if I had to decide between you and this employer, um, it's a good recruiting tool. And then also it shows that we care about your life isn't just your, your name and job title at the company. We care about you, the individual, we care about you outside of work. You care about you and your family um, right after five o'clock, just like most of us. So it's a work-friendly policy. And it's trending that this is the direction they're going. So, like, one of our Congress people just had a kid, um, mm -hmm. Colin Allred, and he's talking about, hey, why don't we have this thing? But it's, well, think about the people who represent you in Congress. A lot mm -hmm. of them are past this stage in their life, so they don't have a need for it. When you get representation of younger people in office, you get policies that affect younger people and more working class folks. So well, I think the trend is there, and then now I'm starting to see more and more people talk about it. Yeah, yeah, and and that and that's one of them deals. You know, when I when I when I, uh, it's like 
always talk to people. I'm always like, hey, you know, um, the market is the market. And once the market is trending in a direction, you can fight the market, uh, you know, and, and you can't really legislate morality as well. So if you legislate it, people will always find a way to get around it. But I'm like, y- you, can, you can embrace it and get ahead of it. Um, and then you win, but if you don't, you're going to lose. Like the example I give is, you know, four or five years ago when everybody was debating about the minimum wage deal and they were bashing Walmart, I was talking to mm. my, my buddies. I was like, bro, look, here's the deal. Um, you guys, you guys are talking about it, but when you go, when you go buy something, you demand, you're going to buy from the cheapest cost, all things being equal. So you're a part mm-hmm. of the problem. You know what I mean? Mm. I, was like, I was like, I was like, so if you... I say you need to go patronize the companies that um, pay their employees well and pay more for it, uh, you know, and also, you know, and, uh, or you're going to be part of the problem. I said, so for example, I, I use the example. I was like, people at Walmart are the people that basically have, you know, like no skills. If, if they're working there at 42, right? We're talking about a livable wage with, with families, the whole mm-hmm. day. If at 42, mm-hmm. they don't have any skills. I say, so the issue isn't raising the minimum wage. The issue is how do we get them, skills because if you force the, co- the the cost of capital right whenever you're talking about raising minimum wage you're gonna um, mm-hmm. you know increase the cost of capital um they're just gonna automate faster i was like they're just gonna put machines in there faster i was like so um i said so we so we need to save those people by figuring i mean i'm going we, we went down that path but my my point was i was like look at costco they pay their employees well and the, the market's gonna let them win over time because that's what we're growing to care about. I was like, Netflix, Netflix does what you're talking like you heard about Netflix policy is there is no like um, recorded vacation time. Like you know, yeah. you know yeah. unlimited vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Starbucks is another so I was like, I was like, the market's going there. I said it'll take care of the 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 companies and the organizations not taking care of it. And so a, a big sell for what you're doing. You know, in my opinion, is if I'm if I'm if I'm running the city, I'm like I gotta get on board because if I don't, I'm gonna get the worst employees ten years from now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the you know the ones that have the least amount of skills. Because if I were a skilled employee and I had a city in the area that was doing that, I would I would be there in a heartbeat. Right. So. Right. And it's you know it's one of those things where we're talking about uh, it, it lines with FMLA and FMLA policies don't go into place until you have fifty employees and. Uh, so we're not talking like small businesses. We're not talking citywide. But when I'm talking to small business owners, they always say, I couldn't afford to have you guys gone for six weeks and then have your replacement. Well, we're not talking about you, one. And then an uh, employee, once they have 50 employees, you know, they're probably less, more, uh, a larger payroll where they can sustain that. But some of our largest companies with a uh, billion dollars in revenue do not have a paid leave policy. So, um, if, if it's one of those things where if you truly care about people and you truly say, okay, I'm going to invest in them so I can get the best return. This is one of those ways. And if I have options and there's, you know, Bank of America offices, Deloitte, a couple of, uh, Southwest, more and more companies every year, like, okay, we can do the minimum of six weeks. When you see that trend going, don't be, don't wait so long that you won't have anyone left that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, oh, I did it because it's, it's the law now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the type of thing where you just got to push though. And it is hard and it's new. And trust me, I'm getting all kinds of, um, we, we can't be doing this too soon. And then these things will happen. Everyone have babies next year. Yeah. No, they won't. <laughs> they won't all have babies next year because you gave them six weeks to pay. 
So they, they just got to make, just make the upfront investment. It'll, it'll pay off. It'll pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the last thing I wanted to ask you before we go into my, my round that I ask everybody the same questions. Um, and and it, it relates uh, specifically to um, what, you know, what, what's, what's happening um, locally with all the May elections coming. Um, mm-hmm. do, do, do you think that, um, let, me, let, me, let me tee it up for folks that don't know, right? So for folks that don't know, um, you know, I call them the big four, the big four cities where, you know, I have a business in Cedar Hill, so Cedar Hill, DeSoto, Duncanville, Lan- Lancaster uh, are, are part of the big four, but, th- but there's still, um, you know, like um, uh, the people that are in power for the most part, um, 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 have let in some, 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 some uh, of the people that are for the people. I, I'm trying to say it super politically without offending. <laughs> but, but, but the point is, there, there's still the small majority of small amount of people in these cities that like determine the election. Do you feel like this May election that's going to change? Um, I won't I won't say it changes dramatically, but I think more people are voting. So right now to determine how many doors you have to knock or how many to win, you look at past data. I think past data needs to be inflated a little bit, um, just because we had a really successful November and I have people reaching out to me now and it's like, How do I get involved? People who never thought about running and then people who just don't ever want to run but they want to make sure good people get elected. So I'm feeling the change that more people are gonna go and vote, hopefully. Uh, in May, and I think uh, it's a trend to, like, I think 2020 presidential is going to be bananas. Like, I think that is the year that when we as a country surpass 60% turnout, um, we'll be voting like some of these other countries <laughs> that, like, we should, because uh, I think the trend is that, hey, we need to wake up and know more and more people are getting that message now. So, I'm excited. And I welcome any new voters to come and, and get involved and uh, yeah, and help us with that May number and increase that. I, I hope so because I think I think one of the things, and I know I said I was done, but this is one more thing that you can comment on too. But a lot of folks underestimate, and they still underestimate Trump, you know, and they overestimate um, the the Russia thing. In my opinion, you know, I personally believe, yeah, he cheated. They cheated. They were in collusion. But I don't. I don't think that's what I think he would have won regardless because mm-hmm. Trump, Trump is Trump is like not a moral guy. I don't think he's a very nice dude. I would never want any of my kids to have any of his attributes or characteristics. Like I just think he's a bad person in general. But what mm-hmm. he is, he's a he's a hell of a salesperson. I think people underestimate, you know, his ability to communicate with the common person very simply. They call it dumb talk, but I'm like, no, I mean this is smart. Like I'm in finance and I have to speak in a language that people understand or I'm not going to get any clients. So he's great at that. He's, he was early at, I mean, social media was his, you know, 80, 20, like 80% of what they focused on was social media. And I don't think most politicians have gotten that. So I think he's still pretty dangerous and he still controls the base, but that's still because he's a, you know, master media manipulator. So I, I mean, I don't think he's going to like, we're going to need everything that we can get in 2020 to, to, to dethrone him because he's a hell of a salesperson. I mean, oh, yeah, it. yeah, definitely. I was telling people, and they were like, I can't believe you won. And I was like, one, I'm in Texas, I believe it. There's no, I, I saw enough supporters. So, but like you said, 
uh, just slow to embrace change and people just naturally are slow to embrace change. And just like how his megaphone is Twitter, um, we feel like we have access to a president in a way that we've never had, you know, probably just maybe the prior president. So now instead of hearing a press conference controlled by media or hearing a speech written by someone else, um, we hear directly from our president almost daily. And then for the people that love him, for the people that are his supporters, that's a great thing. And they feel connected to him. And when you feel connection and emotion, any policy, <laughs> any way that you think that the world works, uh, if they feel a mission to you and a connection and emotion to make them go out and knock doors, you, 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 you got it and you won. And he is great, a great showman. Um, and he, he knows, you know, media, he unmatched. I can't even, you know, probably our previous president where I can say they could get the same amount of people to do one thing. Um, so give him credit for that and figure out how you're going to combat it. If you're going to run against him or if you think you have a shot or if you, you know, want to see anything different, um, he, he shows you what he's doing and he's great at it. So yeah, I, I agree. I hear you that. Too many times politicians are slow to catch on with the trend or try to fight it in another way. Now I'm like, yeah, okay. And the way he picks is the cheapest way. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's all he has to buy a channel on cable. He has a Twitter account. It's right. free promo all the time. That's why I tell people about YouTube and Facebook. These are promotional channels for your brand. We used to have to buy books and, you know, have events. It, it you all have access to it. Just use it the way that you need to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So here, here are my five research questions, and this this is just like my personal research to uh, uh, about like investor behavior and people behavior. But the first one is is, is less research and more a curious question. So, if you can travel in time and tell your twenty two year old self one thing, what would that be? Um, my twenty two year old self um to uh, that you're, 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 you're worthy of being there. Um, and you deserve to be there. Okay. What are your top? Do I need to tell a backstory or no? Hey, yeah. I mean, I will, I'm, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, if it, I didn't know if it was fast, you like no, me questions or what. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> What's the backstory behind that? Yeah. Just, uh, just not always feeling like I should be at a place or, you know, and, and, and a, a good program in school and I got accepted and feeling like all oh, these kids deserve to be there and I don't or, uh, you know, and typical imposter syndrome of I'm worthy and always questioning like, why did they choose me instead of, you know, I, I, I worked hard and I should be there. So. No, no, I get it. I get it. What are your top three favorite brands? And these can be like anything like it can be, Hey, like I love Apple computers. I gotta have an iPhone or, this kind of car I drive, or I got to shop at Kroger. Like, you know, what are your te- top three favorite? Ooh, brands, brands, brands. What am I serious about brands on? So, uh, Samsung, because I do a lot of video, and their phones are, I mean, as much as people try to act like iPhones are best, the video is quality. It's just superb. Um, let's see. Brands, brands, brands. Um... What else would I have that I'm pretty consistent? I drive a Fiat, so like gas mileage is important. Okay. <laughs> and let's see, what do I have for my computer? My computer ain't nothing fancy. 
Um, I like a, a Ralph Lauren polo, like women's shoes. Like I just think that they're classic. Um, they last long and they make a good casual canvas shoe. And then I got heels in every color, same exact shoe. And I just think it, it stands the test of time. Okay. Okay. What do you watch, read, or listen to to get your news and education? Ooh, okay. So I have an Audible account. So, and I've had that for like five years now. They showed me something. Um, so I listen to books almost every drive. And let's see, for news information, I have, oh, I'm really actually pretty uh, uh, diligent about my Google alerts. So mm -hmm. I have alerts about just different topics about social media in Dallas, that there's a conference uh, about candidates that I'm following, maybe nationally. Um, I have a Google alert about paid parental leave, what they're doing in other cities. So I get information specifically on the things that I'm thinking about. Um, and I make sure that every article I, I read in the morning, like, okay, what, what did Google swipe up this morning? Um, yeah. It, and it's crazy how Google snuck into that, right? I've done a bunch of interviews and, um, you know, a lot of folks that are like around our age, you know, me too. I mean, I, I, I do Google and I, and I read a newsletter um, that's actually pretty good. It's called From the Morning Brew. But those are two I like mm -hmm. get my information from. So, and they just crept, mm -hmm. they crept up. I'm also a 2014 um, Audible uh, person. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what do you watch for entertainment? And this is like specific shows. So like, and it could be sports or TV shows or movies, but like when you need to vet, you know, turn your brain off and just be entertained, like what shows? You yeah. Like? Things that I make time for. So I don't watch much TV anymore, but I still watch Grey's Anatomy. Like I was on it when it started 10 years ago and I just, I, I'm rocking with it until it's gone. Um, and then I watch a lot of documentaries on Netflix. So like, I'm not a, um, uh, like a movie person but I will do short series like an episode with six in it I'll do that in a heartbeat about something specific and uh, they usually I, I keep my attention off of that so I just watched this one about um, Robert Kennedy and his ascend to uh, run for president and then you know how that ended so like I, I watch docu-series a lot okay and then the last question is, what are the top three books you've read or listened to either lately or just all time? Ooh, okay. So it's this book. Um, let me see. I'm still looking at it now. I watch, I listen to Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Um, I was this book that I, I go back to. It's uh, Paul Wellstone. So he was this uh, great candidate running progressive um, campaigns and he passed away but the Wellstone way is what um, he coined and it's a way that you can run on progressive issues and still be relatable and then um, the woman behind the New Deal so it's this lady who was the first her name was Frances Perkins and she was the first woman appointed to uh, a secretary of interior labor those type positions the cabinet position she's the first woman under FDR and she basically wasn't in a woman's world and pushed for all these labor issues, but she had to maneuver behind the scenes and be like ladylike, but then at the same time, she was an organizer. So, been listening hmm. to that. Hmm. That, 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 I what's the name of that book again? 
<laughs> the woman behind the New Deal. Her name is Frances Perkins. Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, the woman behind the New Deal. Well, well, I appreciate your time. I definitely also appreciate all you do in the community. Um, I know you're gonna, I know you're gonna keep it up. But um, and we, and we may have to do this again. Matter of fact, I may just do like a political segment every quarter where I call it. Where I just like say, hey, I'm speaking to Kings about what's going on in DFS. <laughs> Any way I can help, you think it'd be helpful? Yeah, certainly let me know. All right. Well, I, I appreciate your time.